You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I don't know how in the world I'm going to fit all of this in today. Um, fortunately, there wasn't much going on with training camp. A little bit of notes. We'll go over that. We'll probably do that first. Um, the Packers' first unofficial depth chart was released. The note from Matt Schneidman was that the PR people put it out. I don't know exactly what that means um, in terms of, does that mean it's useless information or is it the best information we have? I I don't know. But we'll go over that a little bit. Um, Roquan Smith has officially requested a trade, so we will be doing a hefty amount of laughing at the enemy. Kind of giving my thoughts on that. YouTube video on that, I believe, was released yesterday. There is a slight caveat here, though. Uh, The video is done, and it's ready to be released. And now I'm recording this. So if a deal gets done with Roquan, which is possible in the next couple hours or so, I'll just, I'm going to delete the video, and and then you won't have to go look for that. Um, What else? Oh, duh. I did a uh, very big interview with uh, Ian Cummings of Pro Football Network. Unfortunately, we have so much to talk about today. I was thinking about releasing it yesterday, but there was too much going on with training camp. So I thought, okay, let's do it today or, you know, whatever. We'll do it today because yesterday there wasn't a ton of training camp, whatever. Won't be as much to talk about. And then all this stuff happened. And beyond that, the, the interview with Ian went longer than I expected. I was thinking maybe half hour is closer to an hour. So it's going to be almost an entire episode about Ian Cummings going over largely Romeo Dobbs, um, some really good information there, but then just kind of going through each of the draft prospects and some of his thoughts with that. So um, Ian, if you happen to be listening, (laughs) and I'll try to remember to message him, uh, we're shooting for tomorrow, right? So today's Tuesday. This is being released on Wednesday. So tomorrow would be Thursday. I think that makes sense. Friday's episode should probably have something to do with the upcoming game. Oh, it's hard to keep track of all this stuff. So that's that's the plan. But why don't we start? Mm-mm-mm. Let's just start with this. I just saw this two seconds ago, so let's roll with it. Here's a video. This is Alan Lazard speaking to NFL Network, kind of about um, his new role as wide receiver one and his confidence level in that. Uh, here it is. Um, Alan, we're going to take a, a unique uh, route here and ask you about replacing Devontae Adams. I don't know if you've heard that before. <laughs> it's up in camp. If anybody talks about it, listen, fact is, your quarterback says there's going to be the same number of targets, yards, and touchdowns to go around this year, even without number 17. He said you're the guy who's going to step in that number one role. 
So I know you've been asked this a thousand times. You have this great story, undrafted. You work your butt off. You got in this position, and it's constantly about Devontae this, Devontae that. How confident are you that you're going to be able to step in and shut everybody up about that? Extremely confident. You know, it's something I've been working for, working hard at for the past several years. You know, it's something, like I said, going into the draft is what eventually I wanted to um, work myself into that number one role. Now, there's been games where we've missed Devontae, we've missed other guys, or Devontae's gotten more coverage where my targets um, have gone up in a sense. And so it's, it's not like an unfamiliar role for me, you know, especially being at Iowa State, I'm in high school, of being the main guy and everything. It's just I'm doing it on a different level now. So I'm very excited for the opportunity, and I don't think you could ask for a better quarterback to do it with. So no real commentary necessary there. Just thought it was interesting, and maybe you wanted to hear it. I don't know. So anyways, let's get to um, training camp, and we'll, we'll start with uh, something that just came across here. Ryan Wood says he asked Aaron Rodgers about the possibility of playing preseason snaps for the first time since 2018. He says he does not see a benefit, but emphasized that if Matt LaFleur decided to play starters, it should be more than one drive, either play significant snaps or don't play at all. I tend to agree 1,000% with that. And when you think about it, the conclusion is going to bring you right back to don't play at all, right? Because you got three options. Don't play, play a little bit, play a lot of bit. If we go with this line of thinking, which again, I agree with, that there's no point in choosing to take risk. Even if we minimize the risk, that's fine, but we're still introducing risk for no benefit. Trying to think of a, I've got, I've got an analogy, but I can't think of the right food. I think of something expensive. Let's go with truffles. Fresh white winter truffles cost from $6,000 to $10,000 per pound, right? Unbelievably valuable. Some would say Aaron Rodgers is also quite valuable. If you're going to use white truffles in a dish for food, it wouldn't make any sense to carve out a microscopic flake to save money, but then put it in the dish so that we at least have it in the dish. You know, we're going to carve out a little bit and let's just say it's like 50 bucks worth or 10 or whatever. What is the point? Just to say you can't taste it. So you're just taking $10 and lighting it on fire for no reason and you're wasting truffle. If you're going to use it, use enough so that you can actually taste it. If you're not going to use enough to taste it, don't put it in the dish and waste the money. It's the same thing with Aaron Rodgers. If you're going to use him in the preseason, do it for a purpose. And that purpose is to to help him prepare for the regular season. But in order to do that, he has to play enough so that it actually has some positive benefit. And one drive does not have a positive benefit. Now, as he highlighted for other players, that may be somewhat different. Maybe you could get a, a one-drive benefit from something, you know, with the live tackling or, or something. But even then, one drive is a good chance you're not, ta- you know, if it's Adrian Amos, is he even going to get a tackle on one drive? Maybe, maybe not. And so if we assume that to be true, then we look at it and say, okay, you've got two options. Don't play or play kind of a significant amount. Let's say at a minimum, you want Aaron Rodgers to play a quarter, bare minimum. And even that, there's what? Two drives in a quarter, depending on how long the drives are and whatnot, not, not very many. Probably would want something closer to a half. But now you're getting to the point of saying the, the benefit is finally starting to show up, right? You, it's registering on, uh, on the radar. 
but the risk is is quite high at this point. Not just for Rodgers, but you got to have your starting offensive line out there to protect him. You're going to have him playing with his starting wide receivers and his starting running backs. You're not going to have Aaron Rodgers out there and pull the rest of the starters. You're introducing a high level of risk, not just for the most important player, Aaron Rodgers, but this dish is, is getting expensive all the way around. You know, the, the, the linguine and clams and all the other stuff that we got going on here on this dish, that aged wine and et cetera, et cetera. The 1894 Bordeaux that is Aaron Jones. I don't know anything about wine. I'm sorry. I Just kind of doing a word salad here, folks. I don't know. So again, the, the point is kind of just brings us back to, hey, you know what? Just sit him. Who cares? As for the rest of training camp, looking through some of the Matt LaFleur notes, when asked about uh, putting Jair and Romeo Dobbs to, to, together the, the day before, certainly you want your better players going against one another, was the quote by Matt LaFleur. So finally getting a little bit of an acknowledgement that Romeo Dobbs is pretty good, I guess. They, <laughs> they're so reluctant to give any positive feedback to anybody. But uh, today was sort of the first day of, of getting a legitimate acknowledgement that he is one of the best wide receivers on this team right now. Um, asked, are the Packers any closer to figuring out who their right tackle would be if Yash has to play left tackle? He says, nope, we're hoping that'll kind of sort itself out over the next couple weeks, which I think is sort of the standard answer from Matt LaFleur about anything regarding the um, the roster and, and where guys stack up right now. Looking at injuries and outages, Aaron Rodgers had a vest day, uh, rest day today, so he did not participate, which was good for Jordan Love, getting a little bit of extra love today. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, kicker Mason Crosby was out kicking soccer balls today, so that's kind of cool. His first day back will be week one, I'm guessing. Just just slide right into that spot and get back to work. Uh, Steve Wirtel back to practice after limping off yesterday. I wasn't even aware that that happened, but uh, the long snapper who probably will not be able to retain his job is back to practice. I also saw a note. I didn't see what happened, but um, I believe it was Domofsky because... I think I was trying to read it and I was blocked. But anyways, something to the effect of if there are any long snappers available out there, you might want to give Brian Gutekunst a call. So things are not going well. Uh, Randy Ramsey is back out today. It says, uh, after returning to practice yesterday, Packers outside linebacker Randy Ramsey is out today with an ankle injury. I'm kind of wondering if because it was a lighter day and they're holding several people out, if they're like, you know what, let's just, let's just not have him play but not great. Uh, and then hamstring injury for Dante Vaughn. He's out today. So, And uh, as sort of an overall, once again, the Green Bay Packers defense annihilated the offense, which you would expect considering not only has that happened just about every day aside from the first day of camp, but with Aaron Rodgers not out there, that, that only is going to exacerbate the problem. Still, all things considered, Jordan Love did not have the worst possible day. His uh, first throw did end up getting, I don't know if it was his first throw, but it was very early on. Love throws a pass off the fingertips of Sammy Watkins, and Eric Stokes picks the pass. Defense continues to be fire. Sorry for having said that. I'm just reading it. But after that, it seemed pretty solid. Great throw by Jordan Love with pressure on his face to Alan Lazard. Love with a bullet to Ture over the middle. Um, stop me if you've heard this, Romeo Dobbs touchdown, this time from Love, who has a perfect back corner of the end zone throw. He's hit multiple of those throws in camp, pretty ball and execution from 10, Dobbs beats Douglas. So obviously that's also a Dobbs note, but there were several people tweeting about that throw just being an absolutely gorgeous dime in the corner of the end zone. And as the tweet said, he's had a few of those so far in camp. Um, Love hits Dobbs over the middle on a crosser. Three defenders met there to meet him. 
Love finds Aaron Jones for a touchdown from the nine-yard line. Nice route and throw from 10 to 33. So again, the first pass, and it's hard to tell because it depends which tweet you you look at. One of them said that you know Watkins bobbled it. One of them said it was a terrible overthrow. Maybe it's somewhere in between, a little bit high off the fingertips, whatever. But anyways, aside from the first throw, it sounds like he had a pretty solid day today. Um, as per usual, the vast majority of the wide receiver notes went to Romeo Dobbs. You had one note from Lazard, one from Watkins, one from Winfrey, one from Ture, three notes for Romeo Dobbs. Uh, Dobbs end around works well, solid blocking outside of Winfrey. You had the uh, last two love notes that I read were love over the middle and love for a touchdown. Now, I don't know who he's up against, but um, we know he beat Razul Douglas at least once, so Maybe they're using him a little bit in the slot. I'm not entirely sure how that all went down. I'm sure if it was against Jair, we would have heard about it. But yeah, and, and beyond that, not only does Dobbs have three positive notes, most of the other notes are not really great notes. I mean, uh, Keandre Thomas with some really good coverage on Alan Lazard. That's the only note I heard on Alan Lazard all day. He got blanketed by Keandre Thomas. And I'm not trying to necessarily trash Lazard. I'm just trying to show this is every day. This is every day. Romeo Dobbs gets the vast majority of all the notes, you know? And it's not, well, yeah, Lazard is covered by Jair. And, you know, Watkins is covered by Jair. And Winfrey is covered by Jair. And Dobbs is the only one who's going up against the number two. That BS. <laughs> I mean, it, he's crushing everybody except Jair. And again, he actually did beat him the other day. It's just he didn't catch the darn ball. And I'm, I'm excited because I like that Jair has a streak of not giving up a single reception in camp, which is insane. But I also don't like it because it would have been nice if somebody had to kind of break that streak. It would be Romeo Dobbs, especially since there's a chance. Well, I don't know. Jair's probably not going to play in the preseason. So I was going to say, I, I definitely don't want somebody on another team to break that streak. But I would be surprised if he plays at all in the preseason. I don't want him to. The way he's playing, he is as NFL ready as anybody I've ever seen. Um... Notes from, why didn't I paste it in there? Tyler Davis did have a note, but I don't, it's not there. So there you go. We'll skip tight ends then. Uh, Running backs, nice run by Dylan to the outside with a huge hat tip to Josh Myers for leading the way. I absolutely love this note because I think it's the first time I've heard a positive note about Josh Myers. I, I shouldn't say that, but it's the first note I've heard about Josh Myers that doesn't involve him getting screamed at by Aaron Rodgers in a long time. So I'm very happy about that. Aaron Jones, obviously he caught that touchdown pass from nine yards out. Uh, well, the other one I'll skip because it's more of a Rashawn note. So we'll, we'll save that for Rashawn. Otherwise, nice run by Tyler Goodson to the outside. Garvin may have had a play on him. He beat Daphne Garvin getting in a bit of a habit of making plays lately. So Goodson with a solid run. A um, little bit more on that, and I don't want to talk about it necessarily right now, but when we get to the um, the depth chart that was released, a little bit of an interesting note for the running backs. Uh, offensive line, just like most days, Yash is, is the guy that's most talked about. Uh, nice pass pro against Rashawn Gary. The other one is negative, but again, it's a Gary note, so we'll save that. But uh, yeah, Yash is pretty much every day, and I don't. I guess I don't highlight it enough because it's just sort of assumed that he's like the best guy we have out there, which is insane. Because two years ago, Yash Nyman was a guy that I'm looking at going, you know, just a matter of time before they realize this guy doesn't have it and they cut him, right? That's just the assumption that I had. And then all of a sudden he's playing and he's playing kind of well. And now he's in training camp as a starting tackle and is just kind of seen as known to be the best guy we got along the offensive line, which is silly. Maybe it's also bad because I really would love to hear more about 
at least John Runyon and Josh Myers, who are going to be starters even after everybody comes back. And Royce, for that matter. Switching over to the defense, finally, 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 we have officially gotten the first positive notes for Kenny Clark. Now, again, you could possibly say that um, would have drawn a holding call is a positive note. You could even possibly say that there's a chance he tipped a pass at some point, but no, no way to confirm that. But now we don't have to speculate. Not only do we get one, but we got two Kenny Clark notes for the day. Clark and Reed combined for a stop on Dylan. Kenny Clark would have had a sack, but Love stands tall and finds, you guessed it, Dobbs in the middle of the field. A run stop and a sack for Kenny Clark today. Uh, Dean Lowry was credited with a strong rush. TJ Sw- Slayton swallows up a run play. And then it says TJ swallow- Slayton swallows up another run play, in large part due to fantastic edge set by Jonathan Garvin. Garvin had a really good day today as well. It's usually against second and third teams, but Heflin has been eating running backs for lunch in run defense. Heflin shoots through against uh, Newman. He continues to show up on run defense. Again, I stand by the fact that Heflin is probably going to end up winning the job over Ford. Not only because he was the guy, he was there, you know, previously, but uh, I still have only two notes on Ford, and it's been a while since I've heard his name. Looking at the other Slayton, Chris Slayton, the guy with the Y in his name, uh, Chris Slayton with a stop near the line of scrimmage, Chris Slayton with a coverage sack on Danny Etling. So now Slayton officially has more notes than Jonathan Ford, so maybe we shouldn't count that guy out. And then Byers with a stop near the line of scrimmage. Looking at the edge rushers, as I mentioned, Garvin had a pretty good day. Uh, We mentioned the Tyler Goodson run that was stopped by Garvin. Now Garvin with a great pass rush for a sack, quote-unquote. And then Jonathan Garvin off the edge with a strong rush. Preston Smith making his uh, appearance. Preston Smith slices through to bust up a run. Next play, Preston probably has a would-be sack on Jordan Love. Gary and Preston's stunt works to perfection. Smith comes clean. And then for Rashawn, Rashawn Gary just destroyed a Yash and Aaron Jones double team for an easy sack on Jordan Love. Love looks shocked that Gary was there so quickly. I would assume so. If you've already got a tackle to that side and then you bring additional help for your running back to that side, you probably feel pretty comfortable about (laughs) having a few seconds uh, before that side of the line at least collapses. Next note says Rashawn Gary with another pressure. And then there's the Yash with a nice pass pro against Gary. Looking at the corners, I already mentioned Stokes had a pick early on in camp. Um, Razul gave up the touchdown to Dobbs. Shamar had a pass breakup versus Danny Davis. And as I said, Keandre Thomas with good coverage on Alan Lazard. Amos made his one play of the day. Amos solid coverage on Tyler Davis back of the end zone for a pass breakup on the first play. Pretty good ball by 10. The only other notes is Sean Davis got a chance with the ones, and then eventually that rotated back to Vernon Scott. So Amos and Sean Davis, and then it was Amos and Vernon Scott. So just something to keep an eye on. Davis keeps kind of making an appearance there. Only special teams note I saw of the day, Keyshawn Nixon showing off his special teams chops as a gunner right in the returner's grill as he caught the punt. It's exciting because that's that's a big reason why Keyshawn is here, and he hasn't been on the field, and then he gets on the field, and you know he makes a couple of plays, but it's like, all right, But if you're going to do it, you got to be special teams. And for him to immediately start making an impact on special teams, granted, not every single thing is being tweeted out. And some of these guys, I don't know who tweeted this, but, you know, they're they're going to specifically be looking at certain people to do certain things. So on special teams, somebody's going to pull out their card and say, "Okay, where is Keyshawn Nixon? Watch him. And if he makes a play, you're going to tweet it out. You know what I mean? But still, 
he did his job, so that's that's great news. Only other notes, it looks like there's a little bit of locker room access. Haven't heard a ton going on, but uh, did get this additional note via Matt Schneidman. Romeo Dobbs today on Jair Alexander. He says, Ja is one of the best people to be around, not only a great corner, but a person. I just want to make sure that I take advantage of getting reps with him because you won't be able to go up against another corner like that. The reason I love that note in particular, not that I ever necessarily doubted it, but it reminds me of what Aaron Rodgers was talking about when he mentioned that Razul Douglas was one of the smartest guys he's been around and how important it is for him to get feedback from Razul and for him to give feedback to other guys and for corners to talk to wide receivers, et cetera, et cetera, to constantly be explaining to them what they could be doing better. When you think about the training camp that took place yesterday, yesterday for me, two days for you, Jair Alexander was fired up. He was in everybody's face, and especially Razul Douglas's face, just chirping at him. I don't know the exact content of what was said, but I'm positive it wasn't very nice. But the point is, at the end of the day, when they get back to the locker room, when they get back to wherever they need to go, these two guys are on the same team. They're working together, and Jair's number one goal with Razul Douglas isn't to make him feel bad or make him look stupid, to break down his confidence. It's to make him better. And playing him hard, like he has been, is going to make him better. But then also being able to go back and actually speak with him. You know, yeah, be, be intense. I'm not, I'm not saying right after the play, you, you help him up off the ground and pat him on the back and say, hey, next time try this or whatever. We can work on that later. Light him up right now. Give him your absolute best. You can work on adjustments later. But I, I just, I really liked that note because I know he can get a little chirpy out there. And I know how it can get between wide receivers and cornerbacks. I forgot who it was today. Um, I decided not to save the note, but there was a wide receiver. I don't know if he's a rookie or maybe a second year guy, but he's a relatively young guy, but he's out there throwing punches in training camp. You know what I mean? So, so there's, there is a, there is a way to be intense and to play with violence and to play with a chip, but to still be a very good teammate with the number one goal of we want to have the best team possible. And then there's another way of doing things, which is to get so angry about what's going on with you and to have so much pride about you that you hate the guy across from you that's wearing the same color jersey as you are to the point where you start throwing punches at him. You think they go back afterward and start giving each other notes? Do you think you're going to punch the guy and then be like, oh yeah, so anyways, um, I was noticing you're in your back pedal. No chance. Teammates first and foremost. Finally, a note from Ryan Wood here about Razul Douglas. It says, Razul Douglas was candid when discussing his switch to nickel, a position he'd never played. How the move was presented, the adjustments he's still making, most significant, the fact his new preference is to play there every week. He's come a long way with the idea in a short time. So, um, first of all, that's awesome, right? The fact that he's embracing it, that he really wants to do it, he wants to be that guy, but also further confirmation that that is his job. He knows it's his job, he expects it to be, and he's excited about it. Anyways, that's it for training camp. Why don't we go ahead and uh, take a break? We'll come back and, uh, you know, laugh at the Bears and whatnot and have a jolly old time. Before we get there, however, very, 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 very happy. The recovery is happening. We are rebuilding. No, I don't mean the, the economy. I mean my Patreon. <laughs> Thank you very much to Jonas Gable. Josh Klaus and Carson Foltz. Thank you guys so much for jumping on Patreon. I really, really appreciate that. Doing everything I can to try to provide as much value as I possibly can. And I appreciate the support. It really means a lot. It's a good way of letting me know I'm on the right track. We are across the 230s now, 232 patrons. 
I really would love it, as I said, if everybody got together and like, you know what, let's all just slap down a dollar. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. One buck and this guy is set. His family is set. However, I will settle for 68 more. If you get me to 300, I will shut up forever. (laughs) At least until I decide that I want to get to 400. But I will be quiet for a very long period of time. Anyways, thank you guys so much for, uh, for jumping in on Patreon. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, before we get to the fun stuff, let's get some of the other interesting tidbits out of the way. First of all, uh, apparently the NFL is talking to referees telling them that they need to focus more on illegal contact. It feels like this is something that happens every single year where they decide on some random thing that they need to focus on. I guess they go back and rather than, this is the thing that baffles me, rather than going back and looking at the NFL and saying, man, we really messed up. Um, We threw too many flags and it took away the enjoyment. Let's, Let's see where we can dial that back a little bit. Every single year they go back and quote unquote watch the tape And they see things that they missed and things that they should have enforced better. And so they ask for more. This year, that thing is illegal contact. They must have seen that they didn't call it enough and they weren't strict enough with that rule. 
An illegal contact foul, by the way, occurs when a defensive player initiates contact with a receiver more than five yards down the field while the quarterback is still in the pocket. The penalty is five yards and an automatic first down. Usually what happens whenever these points of emphasis come into the NFL is that there's a massive uptick in these penalties, especially early on, which is to say the first week, two, three weeks, whatever, of the NFL season they are going to be calling this constantly. And then they'll kind of lighten up a little bit, but there's still going to be that point of emphasis that's going to be happening over and over again. And so, you know, I don't know in in terms of helping or hurting one team more than the other. It's not really about that. It's just about this is going to once again cause the referees to interject themselves in ways that nobody wants. They're going to throw flags. That is going to massively change the outcome of games. Um, because of ticky-tack nonsense. And, and that, that's one of the biggest issues I have with this in particular. It's one thing to say, hey, we want to emphasize hits to the head, which again, even that is a massive problem because it starts to get super ticky-tack and some of them are actually really good hits, but it's violent, so we're going to throw a flag. Stupid stuff. But now we want to emphasize when cornerbacks are touching wide receivers further than five yards down the field while the quarterback is in the pocket. Right? The verbiage here is initiates contact. Hand fighting is a major part of of what wide receivers and cornerbacks do. The interesting part about this, by the way, is illegal contact is only for defensive players. Now, I know there's pass interference, but I I just don't like this. And I I understand the point of the rule and everything, but again, the, the issue isn't necessarily the rule. The issue is the emphasis. And the emphasis means they're going to be ridiculous with it. Whereas generally with all these rules, there's some leeway. There's some let them play kind of a thing going on. And whenever you hear that this is a point of emphasis, there is no let them play, at least not at first. And that's that's what's really going to be aggravating about this. You're going to see great plays by Jair Alexander, for example, that end up being penalties because he dared to touch the guy more than five yards down the field. Anyways, in other news, uh, rounding up a couple different injuries that have been going on, um, Christian Kirk ended up getting hurt. Looks like he's going to be fine, but that's a thing. Um, some of the bigger ones, though, Mackay Becton for the New York Jets limped off the field, right knee injury, found out later he's likely to miss. Maybe it's official now, but at least likely to miss, if not definitively going to miss, the entire 2022 NFL season. So that has been a complete disaster. The, the Bears are a disaster, but I think the Jets are sort of the Bears of the, of the AFC, where it's things are bad. We had all these great plans about how things are going to be better, it's not working. <laughs> and now, on top of everything being a disaster, everybody's getting hurt. And, and the thing is, with Mackay Becton, things are already bad with him. There were talks about him, you know, not necessarily getting along with the new administration, the new regime that came in, the coaches and whatnot, not really liking him, not putting in the effort and all that. But, you know, the owners are like, well, I don't care. You know, we just recently got this guy and he's a premier talent. You freaking make it work. So that was already a thing, and now he's hurt and he's out for the year. And then wide receiver Jakeem Grant was also carted off the field in practice um, for the Cleveland Browns, another team that is seemingly in shambles. And I, I don't understand what the heck they're doing. They, they kind of had something going, you know what I mean? I understand the thing with Baker wasn't great, but at least it was something. You got a great offensive line. You got some good wide receivers. You went out and got Amari Cooper. You drafted David Bell. You know, you got a great running back duo. You got Miles Garrett. Clowney's there, you know, for whatever that worth, whatever that's worth. JOK, the linebacker, seemed to have a great year. Denzel Ward, 
Greedy Williams, Greg Newsome. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you got some stuff going on. Then you dump your quarterback. You go out and get a... a <sighs> I, I, I'll never understand what you're doing with Deshaun Watson and why you ever thought that that was a good idea. Giving away every dollar you'll ever have for a guy that you know is probably not going to play because of what he's done on top of your entire fan base despising you and <laughs> everything else. Nobody's going to cheer for you. But again, you, you, you cause this disaster, and then you drop Amari Cooper in the middle of it, which, you know, that's fine. But again, it's just you're massively paying somebody to do why. I, I, it seems like it's just one of those on-paper things where you just don't really know what you're doing. Like, well, if we just go get an elite quarterback and an elite wide receiver and drop them with this elite offensive line and, and running back group and pair that with our, you know, at least good pass, we're unstoppable. Yeah, but you can't just, you know, zombie stitch this stuff together. And so the quarterback thing is now a disaster. You just lost Jakeem Grant. Things are not going to get better for you. They're going to get significantly worse. So you and Jacoby Brissett and, you know, David Bell, who ran like a 4-9-40, you guys have yourselves a good old time, I guess. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Anyways, transitioning now to the Chicago Bears news. Don't have any Lions or Vikings news because of how much stuff was going on with the Chicago Bears. But before we get to the juicy stuff, let's um, look at a couple of things. First of all, I had mentioned a lot of guys leaving Chicago. Um, I don't remember when I said it, but it's something to the effect of how many guys are even left since 2018. Chicago athletes to leave since 2020, this says. This, is since tw- this isn't even 2018. This is uh, Chicago Sports Day on Twitter. Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Lester, Darvish, Schwarber, uh, Rodon, Kimbrell, Khalil Mack, A-Rob, Akeem Hicks, Kyle Fuller, Corey Crawford, uh, Cat, whoever that is, Doc, Keith, Seabrook, Hagel, and it says potentially soon, Robert Quinn, Roquan, Wilson, Hap, Toes, Kane. Half of those guys I don't know, but the point is, even if you look at the bigger names, go back even further. Go back to 20, the last time you guys were good at football. Look at that 2018 roster. Peak Chicago Bears. Quarterback is gone. Running back is gone. Backup running back is gone. Your third running back is gone. All of your tight ends are gone. Bobby Massey is gone. Kyle Long is gone. Eric Cush is gone. Charles Leno is gone. Allen Robinson is gone. Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel, Kevin White, Javon Wims, Josh Bellamy. That's all of your wide receivers. Every single wide receiver is gone. Every single tight end is gone. Both of your quarterbacks are gone. All of your running backs are gone. Your fullback is gone. What about your defensive, uh, defensive line? Akeem Hicks is gone. Eddie Goldman is gone. Jonathan Bullard is gone. Bilal Nichols is gone. Nick Williams is gone. That is your entire defensive line. Oh, excuse me, Roy Robertson Harris. Where is he? He's gone. Every single defensive tackle, every single wide receiver, 90% of your offensive line, all of your tight ends, all of your quarterbacks, all of your running backs, all gone. Your entire defensive line is gone. Khalil Mack, gone. Leonard Floyd, gone. Sam Acho, gone. Aaron Lynch, gone. Every single outside linebacker, all of your pass rushers are gone. What about your linebackers? Joel Eyigbigbigbinmi is gone. Nick Kwiatkowski is gone. Danny Trevathan is gone. Roquan Smith just requested a trade. What about your corners? Kyle Fuller is gone. Prince Amukamura is gone. Bryce Callahan is gone. Kevin Tolliver, Sherrick McManus, and Marcus Cooper, all of them gone. Every single cornerback is gone. Oh, Bryce Callahan, also gone. Slot guy. Safeties. Amos, 
gone. Deion Bush, gone. You got Eddie Jackson, DeAndre Houston Carson still there. So two of your safeties. I mean, this wasn't that long ago. I mean, am I wrong about this? I mean, I understand there's a lot of turnover. I understand a lot of our team is 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 young, but you know, the 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 thing that I'm mostly trying to point out here is I feel like a lot of Bears fans want to get back to it. You know, we had a real good shot and we can get everything about what you had is gone. There is not nothing to get back to. The coaches, the GM, and almost every single player from that team is gone. This is a brand new team. There's nothing to get back to. You cannot reclaim any of that. If you become a good football team, it's, be- it's based on building something brand new. Brand new. Your punter is in Green Bay. Your kicker's gone. Tariq Cohen, your, your returner, Benny Cunningham, your kick returner, gone. You got your long snapper still, Patrick Scales. So you've got like two offensive linemen, your long snapper, and a couple safeties left. There's no getting back to what you had. You have to build something entirely new, right? When, when, when the Packers got a new GM and head coach and all that, there, there's, there's a sense of building in a new direction, but it's still kind of patching up the holes, tweaking some things to get back to what we had with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae. I mean, we, we technically had Randall Cobb then too. But I mean, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis was here, David Bakhtiari. I mean, even, even Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry. That's two of our three defensive linemen are still on the defensive line. There's plenty of turnover. But, you know, this is ground zero for Chicago, and it's, it's brutal. And, and, and maybe I'm the only one that, that was confused on that situation, but, you know, I keep looking to the Bears to see can they get back to that. And, and at this point, with, with Akeem leaving and, and Goldman leaving and Khalil leaving, that was it, man. That, that was the last vestige of that era, and, 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 and Allen Robinson leaving, and potentially Roquan leaving. I mean, you, you still had a bunch of those guys, and now they're all gone. And so the next question would be, how's the rebuild going? Who are the new guys that are the cornerstone pieces, right? Because Khalil isn't that guy anymore. Who's the cornerstone here? Who's the cornerstone on offense? Second-year quarterback Justin Fields? Who, who is, we, we've talked about it a lot with the Packers in leadership, and how important it is to, to have guys that, that you can believe in and everything else. And Aaron Rodgers even laid it out. It's got to be a guy who's, who's gotten paid. So who got paid for the, for the Bears' offense? Literally nobody. Nobody on this team. What, Cody Whitehair? I guess Cody's the, the leader of the offense. That's it. There's nobody else. There is nobody else on the offense. What about the defense? Who's the leader? Well, the, the clear and obvious answer is Roquan. Here's the problem, and we haven't really gotten to it yet. Roquan, who is the leader, not just of your defense, but probably of your entire team when you factor in there, there is no offensive leader. He is the heart and soul of this team. He just threw your freaking team under the bus. He just said, I love Chicago. I love this team, and I would love to be able to stay here and, and, and be a part of the legendary group of Bears linebackers. But this new guy, this new guy, Poles, he's disrespectful. He's jerking me around. He's trying to hand me contracts that clearly does not respect me as the best linebacker in football, which, by the way, Poles doesn't have a choice. You either make him the highest paid linebacker in football or you trade him. You can't lowball the guy for crying out loud. 
But when the leader of your team is throwing the franchise under the bus and it's gotten so bad that he writes a really long letter about how trash this GM is, how disrespectful this GM is, how he's been made to feel unwelcome. And by the way, one of the other best players on this team, Robert Quinn, has said the exact same thing. He essentially has said he, he's, you know, he's going to show up, he's going to do his job, but he doesn't expect to be here very much longer. He, he, he gets the impression he's not wanted there. By the way, this is the exact same franchise who has refused over and over again to commit to Justin Fields. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Maybe he's right, and, and believe me, I would have no real desire to commit to Justin Fields because he looked like garbage. I would have no desire to pay Roquan Smith because I don't think he's that good, and I certainly don't want to pay any linebacker as much money as he's asking for, especially one that isn't actually all that good. So, yeah, I don't want to be beholden anything else either. But that doesn't change the fact that from a PR standpoint, the only guy that means anything to this entire team is throwing the team under the bus. This is far beyond looking at the Chicago Bears and just saying there's not enough talent here. This is far beyond all that. This is toxic. And the problem is for polls, here's the other issue. You can say, well, I'm not going to be beholden to these other guys. I'm going to you know, slowly move all this trash out of here and bring in my own guys. You know, I'm going to move out these offensive linemen, bring in my own guys like Braxton Jones. You know, we'll, we'll slowly get Fields out of here, unless he can prove to be something, but we'll get our own guy in here one of these days. You know, brought in Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon, so we'll, we'll kind of get that all figured out. Slowly but surely, we're going to build. The issue is, Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon, who are supposedly going to be the future of your defense, of your team, the future leaders of the Chicago Bears, they are now under the tutelage. When they go into that locker room, They understand that the top dog is Roquan. And what is Roquan saying about you, Ryan Poles? This is not a good organization. You do not want to be here. They do not treat you with respect. It's a bad message. There are no leaders on this team outside of Roquan Smith. He's the only one. He's all that's left on the entire team. And and again, based on Roger's comments, I, I don't even know that we can fully call him that until the man gets paid. He hasn't been paid yet. Anyways, continuing on here with uh, other news and notes. <laughs> we should have just started off with the Roquan thing to, to, so that we had the background, but I, I, I wanted to, to kind of hammer that one at the end. But on top of everything, Roquan Smith saying he wants a trade. That took place the same day as Bears Family Fest. There's a lot of layers here. So the Bears had Family Fest on Tuesday at like 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Oh, this franchise. Anyways, uh, on that day, this day of joy, Roquan decides to drop his message on Twitter saying he's basically over it. He's tried. The Bears are not trying. He's been disrespected. And he is officially asking for a, or has officially asked for a trade. And so... With all eyes, Roquan, man, if he wanted to just dunk on the Bears, he could not have done a better job. Because I don't know if anybody would have even known that it was Bears Family Fest or whatever stupid thing it's called. But now all eyes are on Chicago. Everybody's looking at training camp to see what's going on. You know what they saw? They saw a stadium in the middle of a city that has 2.6 million people, and the entire stadium was completely completely empty. Nobody went. And listen, there were a lot of people making these, well, it's Tuesday at 10 o'clock. You're right. And I could talk for 10 minutes about how inept this franchise is to even think 
to schedule it at that time. To, to not have any thought whatsoever as to what would be the best time to schedule this so that we could have a lot of fans in the stands and have a really fun time. Apparently, that never crossed anybody's mind. They basically said, we should do Family Fest. They, they looked at the Bears' training schedule and said, okay, you're doing 10 o'clock every day, so we'll just, how does this Tuesday at 10 o'clock sound? Okay, yeah, that works. Never thinking for a second, maybe we should, or not even talking or asking, telling the head coach, we're doing Family Fest, so one of your practices will need to be on Saturday in, in the PM or Friday PM or something. Could talk about that at length, but I don't care. I can tell you right now there would have been more people than that amongst Green Bay fans. You know how I know? Because every day during training camp, there are just about as many people standing out along the fences watching Packers training camp as there were at that Chicago Bears stadium. And again, 2.6 million people. You're telling me there aren't people walk. There were probably more people wandering around outside the stadium than were in the stadium. You're... you're t- <laughs> Are you trying to tell me that because people work, all the bars and restaurants are completely empty? The streets are barren? Nobody's out doing nothing? Everybody's just out working diligently? Come on, man. Just in the city, there's 2.6 million people. That doesn't include the suburbs, you know? People that would have to drive, oh, I don't know, 30 minutes to get there? 40 an hour? You know, it's not like everybody that goes to Packer games is from Green Bay. <laughs> people commute. You couldn't find like 10,000 people to, to, to show up. What an embar- You should have done it at a park. It would have looked full. You should have done it at a high school stadium. So Roquan embarrasses the, the new GM and goes so far as to say that he's going to go to the McCaskies to see if they can fix this situation which is hilarious because you want to talk about inept. You want to talk about, and and Bears fans hate the McCaskies. So to hear probably the most beloved figure in Chicago right now, among, you know, as far as the Bears are concerned, maybe Justin Fields is, I don't know, but he hasn't proved jack squat. To hear maybe the best Bear you got say that this GM is such trash, I'm going to go talk to the McCaskies to see if they can talk some sense into polls that has got to be the biggest possible gut punch ever. Just picture like Matt LaFleur saying, you know, I don't really know how to get the best out of Aaron Rodgers, so I'm going to go reach out to Mike McCarthy, you know? See if he knows how to run this offense. That would, that would suck a little bit. So anyways, not only were all eyes on the disaster that is Ryan Poles, but the all, all eyes got to see the disaster that is the McCaskies as they have no idea how to set up anything and have planned a day, because it's all about optics, man. Granted, yeah, bad time to to run this, and if they had done it on Friday night or Saturday night or something, it may have been pretty full. Probably not, but maybe. But do you know how bad that looks, to have an event with an empty stadium? You can try to rationalize it away all you want. The optics are horrific. Your team is trash. Your team is falling apart. Your team is being mocked and ridiculed. And now the last vestige of hope that you've had, hope in Ryan Poles, hope in Justin Fields, hope in anything, is falling apart. And on top of all of that, you have just put out these optics that are never going to go away because Packer fans won't allow it to. The images of an empty stadium while the Chicago Bears flung open the doors to 
to Chicago Bears fans to support their team. Those images are floating out there now. All the while, while you while you, there is a fight between your organization and the mayor of Chicago, where where you guys threaten to leave the city, and here's a city that won't even support you. This is a disaster, and it's so much deeper than you know. Nitpick all this stuff with with their record, and Bears are only going to win three games, and Bears fan, no, you're stupid. Okay, granted, we're going to be in last place, but we're going to win at least six games. Do you know how irrelevant those three games are? The difference between one, two, three wins, or four, five, six wins? Do you have any idea how irrelevant that is, given the fuller, broader context of all of this? This is a complete disaster. Every single thing about this team is horrible. Everything about it is horrible. There's nothing good going on right now. And you're going to brag about what? Aaron Rodgers' buddy, who was a wide receiver coach that you hired to be your offensive coordinator because he spent the year with Matt LaFleur and you hope that he can kind of replicate that? That's what you're hanging your hat on? It's not, you're all, (laughs) you fired your head coach because he was a disaster and doesn't know how to run an offense, and then you hire a defensive coordinator to be your head coach. So your hope isn't even in the new head coach. You don't care about Matt Eberflus. You care about this random guy that the Packers didn't feel the need to hang on to. You think for one second if the Packers felt that he was critical to the success of the Green Bay Packers offense, that they wouldn't have offered him that job, especially with Matt Lef- or with Aaron Rodgers apparently begging the franchise to offer him the job? And even still, they said, nah, we don't want him to run the offense. We'll pick somebody else to do it. It was the Broncos that got our offensive coordinator, and there's, there's no telling that he can even do the job because it's ultimately Matt LaFleur that's doing all of this over here. But the number two is in Denver, and the number three is not the guy that you got. How do I know? Because I just told you that if he was the number three, we would have paid him to stay. He wasn't even the number three in command of this offense. He's not even the third best guy to run an offense here in Green Bay. But he is 100% of your hope because you didn't hire an offensive head coach. You hired a guy with minimal experience in this entire system to turn everything around and with no tools whatsoever. He does not have an offensive line. He does not have wide receivers. He does not have a quarterback. You guys are focusing on all the wrong things. You're building on sand. You're building on quicksand. It doesn't matter how quickly you can stack the bricks. The house is going to fall over. There's no foundation here. There's nothing to build on. This is a disaster. And you want to talk to me about (laughs) your your new coaches and and, and what? And what? Justin Fields looks a little bit better. You're going to try to convince me of that as I watch over and over and over again all these highlight reels of him overthrowing receivers? We got Jordan Schultz or whatever that guy's name is tweeting out nonsense about the reports about Justin Fields have been incredibly encouraging on the exact same day that every single beat reporter in Chicago is tweeting out that the offense couldn't do jack squat and outside of the one pass to Darnell Mooney in which Darnell Mooney made a circus catch out of bounds with one hand. Outside of that, the guy couldn't complete a single pass all day, day after day after day, hearing about overthrows and interceptions and tip passes. I've heard more bad reports about Justin Fields than Jordan Love. It's a disaster. Unlike the Lions, who have a bad group, a, a, a bad pile of talent, but they have something. They have a coach that the team believes in. They have accomplished um, guys on the back end, people that have done things before, who are who are working out contracts and everything else. They're building a culture. They have belief, which will carry them at least somewhere. 
The Vikings have that, although I have no, they, they're going to have to get rid of Kirk Cousins because for some reason that is such a toxic situation. They can't stop hating Kirk Cousins, and that's a problem. But outside of that, it seems like a pretty solid situation. The offense believes in the offense. The defense believes in the defense. Everybody seems to like the head coach, and, and I like the way that I, I went through that before, the way that they went about it. The head coach, the offensive guy who has experience in the right system, and then getting a guy under him who has less experience but is still kind of ready to take that next step and understands the system as a whole. Defensively, getting the guy who's got a ton of experience. And then the GM, you know, we'll see how it goes. He's a very big numbers guy. I don't know if that's going to pan out, but everything seems to be going okay, right? Even the reports from from camp with, with Booth seemingly having a good camp and a couple notes on scene. Lions have had great reports about Aiden Hutchinson. What the heck does Chicago have to to get excited about? Nothing. And it gets worse every single day. And we got people trying to do victory laps because Roquan Smith came into camp and was essentially holding out from within camp. And that's apparently a big win. Robert Quinn came into camp. He came into camp and said that he wasn't welcome. He feels like the the franchise is going to ship him out of here. But hey, we're still going to call it a win. Ha ha, you bunch of losers. You thought Quinn was going to get traded and here he is. Ha ha, you bunch of losers. You thought Tevin Jenkins was going to get traded, but he hasn't yet. He's still here, sucking on the second team, uh, on, on the second string offensive line. Ha ha, you bunch of losers. Thought you knew stuff. You don't know stuff. This is bad. And, and, and seriously, you know, Bears fans saying things like, you know, I, I understand that we're not the greatest team in the world, but you're crazy if you think we're worse than last year. This is significantly worse. Again, just look at the people I listed that are gone. Allen Robinson is gone. Yeah, he had a down year. So what? That's massive. You had Darnell Mooney as your number two. Akeem Hicks is gone. Khalil Mack is gone. Well, Khalil wasn't as, you know, he's not quite a... Dude, Khalil freaking Mack is still Khalil freaking Mack. 75% of Khalil Mack is still 90% better than the rest of the NFL. You guys want to downplay everything. and It's so tiring. Every single time somebody leaves, you just... It's like the scene from, uh, I think it's Schindler's List. It's, a, it's pretty graphic and dark, but essentially they want to know who stole the chicken, right? And so the, the Nazi guards are going up and down. Who stole the chicken? Who stole the chicken? Who stole the chicken? Guy walks up, picks a random person, shoots him and kills him right there on the spot. Says, okay, somebody going to talk now? Young boy steps forward. Guard goes over to him, looks at him and says, you, you stole the chicken, didn't you? The little boy says, no. He says, but you know who did, don't you? He says, yes, sir. He said, who is it? Who stole the chicken? And he points to the dead body. That's the Chicago Bears. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. Somebody leaves and we attach all the blame to that guy. There goes the head coach. Boom. It's all his fault. There you go. There goes all our problems sailing off into the sunset. Everything's fixed now. All of our problems are gone. Khalil Mack leaves. Oh, there goes our problems. That guy was dead weight. Boy, oh boy, we got all this draft capital. That's way better. I'll take a seventh round pick over Khalil Mack any day. That guy was a bum. Every single time, all the way back to Brian Erlacher. And I keep bringing it up, but I said it at the time. I didn't have a podcast at the time, but I said it very vocally to anybody that would listen to me. This defense is going to crumble and will never be the same once Erlocker leaves, and that was absolutely true, and Bears fans refused to acknowledge that. The guy was washed up, he's a bum, he's no good. That defense fell apart, and you know how I knew that? Because like the year before, Erlocker got hurt and the defense was trash, and apparently nobody paid attention. The guy was the heart and soul of the Bears' defense, and as soon as he left, everything went to, went to pieces. Same with Julius Peppers. He's a bum, he's washed, he's trash, comes to Green Bay. Great football player. Your problems didn't leave with pace. 
Your p- problems didn't leave with Nagy. The team is your problem. And some of the few things that were actually working left. And just because Khalil Mack took a half a step back and now he's gone doesn't mean you get better. He went from a 10 overall to a 7 overall. And then he left. Well, good, because he, he dropped three points on our little scale of judgment. And so that guy's falling apart. Yeah, you just went from a 7 to a 4 now. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, well, he was hurt. No, 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 no. Your team is worse without Khalil Mack. Your team is worse without Akeem Hicks. Your team is worse without Allen Robinson. Your team is worse having lost Kyle Fuller. Your team got worse as soon as you lost Adrian Amos, even though you said it wouldn't happen. Your team got worse when you lost Bryce Callahan. In fact, as soon as you lost Vic Fangio, basically this thing was over. Good night, farewell, sweet prince. Game over. You guys got to stop saying stupid stuff. Continuing on with Bears notes. Another potentially serious injury to the Bears at wide receiver. David Moore is getting carted off practice. Bears already dealing with injuries at positions to Byron Pringle and Nikhil Harry. This is in addition. Remember, this is family night. This is the big fun festival. Roquan has said, I want out. A wide receiver just got carted off the field. And in addition to that, Bears wide receivers not suited up for practice today include Dante Pettis, Byron Pringle, and Valus Jones. And of course, Nikhil Harry is out with a high ankle sprain. Dante Pettis is gone. Byron Pringle's gone. Valus Jones is gone. Nikhil Harry's gone. And David Moore just got carted off the field. In total, among the Bears not practicing today, cornerback Kyler Gordon, the rookie that you're all excited about, Valus Jones, Byron Pringle, Angelo Blackson, Duke Shelley, Noah Dawkins, Dante Pettis, and James O'Shaughnessy, the tight end. If you look at their top wide receivers, which by the way, this is a, we talk about like our top six, right? Those are the guys that are probably going to make it. The Bears' top six, Darnell, Equinemius St. Brown, Byron Pringle, Daz Newsome, Valus Jones, Nikhil Harry. That is their current top six via our lads. First of all, pure trash. Second of all, three of those six did not suit up. Nikhil Harry, Injured. Valus Jones, injured. Byron Pringle, injured. The next three, Dante Pettis, Tajay Sharp, David Moore. Dante Pettis did not suit up today. David Moore was carted off the field. So if we get all the way through the third string, we're looking at nine different guys. In total, you've got Equinemius, Darnell Mooney, Daz Newsome, Tajay Sharp. Out of nine wide receivers, you've got four that can suit up, which leaves you with Isaiah Coulter, Nasimba Webster, Chris Finke, and Kevin Shaw. That's all you got left. And to be clear, as I've said before, there's only one guy out of 3, 6, 9, 12, 13 wide receivers that are listed on your roster. Only one is good at football. But even still, first string, second string, and third string, only four are available to play. Disaster. This was tweeted out via um, Benjamin Solak. He tweeted it with the caption, someone should be arrested. He took a little piece out of this article that he read, but here's what it says. Eberflus, uh, Bears coach Matt Eberflus was noncommittal about presumptive number two receiver Byron Pringle's availability for week one. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reports that Nikhil Harry has a high ankle sprain. There have been other minor injuries Uh, more minor injuries to Justin Fields' already thin crew. At some point over the weekend, according to The Athletic, Fields was throwing to a three-receiver set of Chris Finke, Nasimba Webster, and Isaiah Coulter, which is what I had just got done reading to you. 
Because essentially, that's the second string. And again, the caption by Benjamin Solak is, someone should be arrested. I'm not a big fan of, of going out and getting big name free agents or whatever, but this is such a pathetic group. Get anybody. Get anybody. I mean, if Nikhil Harry comes back, he's the number two wide receiver on this team, and it's probably not even close. And Nikhil Harry is not a good football player. He was a first-round pick by the New England Patriots. They tried, and they're like, you know what? We can't do it. It's just, there's no, it's just not working. And they got rid of him. But anyways, we, we never even directly confronted it. I wanted to get that other stuff out of the way, but I couldn't help myself because things are such a disaster. So I hope you're, you're more or less caught up on what happened. But let's, let's kind of take a, a front-facing look at exactly what happened with Roquan Smith. Let me read you what he wrote. To the city of Chicago and all the Bears fans worldwide, I've officially requested a trade. Just writing these words is deeply painful. First of all, let, let, let's keep this in the back of our minds. Many Bears fans believe this is purely a negotiating tactic. I don't buy it. Now, that isn't to say that they aren't going to come up with something. But if they come up with a contract, which, you know, I'm, I'm like 40%, it might even be closer to 50% that the Bears are going to work something out. I think it's going to have to do with... Poles and McCaskey deciding this just has to be done. It's too much of a disaster. We cannot trade him. So we're going to have to do something stupid. This isn't because Roquan has no desire to actually be traded. And um, this is a negotiating tactic. He's out. He, he asked, I, I, I have no doubt in my mind. A big part of, of all this as well is the fact that he does not have an agent. And a lot of people are saying without an agent, you can really feel the emotion. Whereas if he had an, 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 an agent, there wouldn't be so much emotion. It would just be a, a business thing or whatever. But you can actually really feel it. I'm a kid from Mason County, Georgia. When you grow up playing football, you dream of making it to the NFL one day. However, playing the linebacker position, you never imagined getting drafted in the top 10 by the Chicago Bears. I'm a homegrown bear. A dream came true for me to have an opportunity to put that Bears helmet on, wear the same jersey that the legend, legendary linebackers did. It's an indescribable feeling. Walking these hallways the past four years, you can feel the spirit. You feel the pressure to live up to that timeless history, that great legacy. I dreamed of playing like Wilbur Marshall, Singletary, Briggs, Erlocker, Butkus. Since the day I was drafted, I vowed to play this position at a level that upheld the standard that was set before me, to uphold that respect and honor, and I have. Now, it gets interesting. First of all, that was essentially his goodbye portion. Here's his why portion. Unfortunately, the new front office regime doesn't value me here. Well, that's a freaking bomb. That's not exactly something you write if you plan on coming back soon. You know what I mean? Your words carry weight. You got to walk back into that locker room and what? Say, I was just playing, man. I love these guys. We're going to be great. We're going to win Super Bowls. The point is he's been working at this for a long time and he's gotten to the point where he's given up. And this is what he says. Unfortunately, the new front office regime doesn't value me here. By the way, this isn't sharp, stark contrast to the prior regime. That is to say, he didn't seem to have these kinds of issues until the new regime showed up. This is the, the, the new Bears fans' hopes and dreams. They love polls. They're posting videos of the guy walking because they love the way he walks, which uh, really just goes to the, the insanity of some of the fans. But the guy wore shades, and he's so cool, and everything about him is great. It's wonderful. It's amazing. He's so cool the way he talks. We're going to take the division, and we're never, never giving it back. Right? Just stupid stuff. The guy's been a GM for, for hard, hardly any period of time at all. The season has not even started. And you have Robert Quinn essentially saying, I don't feel welcome here. You have the GM flat out refusing to commit to Justin Fields. 
And now you have the star of your entire team opening up his, his trade request with the line, the new front office regime doesn't value me here. He goes on to say they've refused to negotiate in good faith. Every step of the journey has been take it or leave it. The deal sent to me is one that would look bad for myself and for the entire linebacker market if I signed it. In other words, it was an insult. Everybody knows how this works. Poles is not an idiot. Roquan's not an idiot. Nobody's an idiot. Roquan Smith, when he signs his contract, he will be the new highest paid linebacker in football. That's the bottom line. There is no disputing that. There is no debating that. And any contract that doesn't in some way, and you can, you can play with stupid numbers and everything else, but at the end of the day, the number has to be the highest that anybody's gotten. That average per year has to be the highest. He says, I've been trying to get something done that's fair since April, but their focus has been on trying to take advantage of me. This is so damning to Ryan Poles. Again, a guy who has built an image, who is revered. And Bears fans are not used to, or, or excuse me, are extremely used to um, hating their front offices because they're always garbage. And so it's not going to take very much for Bears fans to sit here and just simply say, here we go again. They're not going to have to take much convincing to realize that. The, and and the, the fact, again, that it's Roquan, who is one of the more beloved figures in all of Chicago sports, they're going to take Roquan's side in this. He's flat out saying they're trying to take advantage of me. And, and here's another problem. The optics of this are horrible for, for polls. Because while you're trying to ship out the old guys and bring in the new guys, and I don't even disagree with that strategy, the, the old regime brought in this disaster. It's not your job to pay for their mistakes. However, you bring in new guys, you try to rebuild this thing, and guess what? The leader of your team is going in the locker room, talking to your new guys, saying things like, oh, I don't know, they're trying to take advantage of me. They don't value me here. They refuse to negotiate in good faith. They've been giving me take-it-or-leave-it deals, not really willing to negotiate at all. He goes on to say, I wanted to be a bear for my entire career, help this to bring this team back to a Super Bowl and to our city. However, they have left me no choice than to request a trade that allows me to play for an organization that truly values what I bring to the table. Again, it's, it's, if this is him attempting to just get them to sign a contract, this is pretty heavy language. Saying I wanted to be a bear, past tense, means I do not want to be a bear. He says, this is what I used to want. I don't want it anymore. I want out. They have left me no choice than to request a trade that allows me to play for an organization that values what I bring to the table. Again, very simple translation, this organization does not value me. He goes on to say, I haven't had a chance to talk to the McCaskey family, and maybe they can salvage this. Again, very heavy language. But as of right now, I don't see a path back to the organization I truly love. Another sentence that you wouldn't expect in a simple negotiation. I don't see any way back at this point. You know why? Because it's not just about a number, it's about the blatant disrespect that they've paid to me. I want, that's the thing. And, and, and maybe he's just full of it. And maybe this is just a negotiating tac- negotiation tactic, but he didn't just say, I want to play for an organization that's going to pay me. He says, I want to play for an organization that respects me. And yes, money is a form of respect. In fact, in, in, in these circles, that's probably the biggest way to show respect is here's how much we want to pay you. Well, there you go. He finishes with, I hope and pray you can all understand. I'm deeply sorry it has come to this. Again, he's saying goodbye. It's a done deal. Now, that isn't to say that if they don't come over the top and they're like, all right, here's just a massive stupid contract that I don't want to give you, fine. But even if they do that, there's going to be a part of me that's like, oh man, crap. I was kind of enjoying making fun of him and all that. Couple things. Number one, Roquan isn't that good and he's not worth whatever money 
um, he's asking for. So if the Bears do that, they're throwing away money, and that's awesome. But beyond all that, Poles has to compromise very quickly if he's going to do this on his values. That is to say, he's come into this situation saying, I will not be beholden to the previous administration's mistakes. I'm going to build the right way. And by not signing Roquan, he's doing the right thing and building the right way. But he's destroying the franchise in doing so. If he wants to maintain the image, which has already been partially tarnished, even if you can bring him back into the fold, some of the damage has already been done. But even if you get the deal done, you have now compromised on your ultimate mission, which is bringing a a Lombardi trophy back to Chicago. That is ultimately what's being hurt. So you can either stick to your guns and trade Roquan Smith and completely tarnish your entire organization and the reputation of the organization, as well as the players and how they view you. Or you can compromise on your own values and hurt your chances to do what you said you were going to do when you came to Chicago. Compromise on what you believe is the right thing, just so you can try to save face. And a lot of people will say, well, you know what's going to happen? McCaskey's going to pressure him. Here's a couple things on that. First of all, McCaskey has been indignant toward the players. He has 100% supported Ryan Poles and has very much supported his attitude and approach of, to heck with these garbage players, we're going to rebuild in a better direction. He brought Poles in to be that guy, to be the ruthless person who's going to come in, ship off the old dead weight, and bring in the new better players. He will support that thoroughly. Now, there may come a time again where it gets to be so ugly that they're like, all right, we need, you know, please reconsider or whatever. But I don't think that's the case. Beyond that, a lot of Chicago Bears writers and everything else had thought it was really weird where he says, I haven't had a chance to talk to the McCaskey family, because even the reporters were saying the McCaskies are extremely accessible. I've, I've, he said, I ran into a couple of them today. The McCaskies are all over the place. Their doors are wide open. Why hasn't he had the app, the opportunity to talk to the McCaskies about this? Has he been like calling and saying, hey, I want to talk, and, and he's quote-unquote too busy? I don't get the impression that the McCaskies are going to take Roquan's side in this. Because at the end of the day, I think that they genuinely believe that they're football people. I don't think that they're like your typical you know, CEOs that are going to look at bad PR and say, we got to fix this. They're not a Fortune 500 company that are beholden to stockholders. They own the Bears. They do whatever they want with the Bears. And they believe that they're football people, and they committed to Ryan Poles to come in here and fix the mistakes from before. I guarantee this has all been communicated. The McCaskies were not surprised to find out whatever contract was going Roquan's way and whatever they decided to do with Roquan. They're not surprised by this. They're fully aware of what the plan is. We will retain you at a price that we find is is necessary, which is to say we're essentially not going to retain you because we're not going to pay you what you believe and basically what the rest of the NFL knows you're worth. Whether that's that's a, a good valuation or not, it doesn't matter. Like I said, he's next in line. He will get that dollar amount. And if the Bears aren't going to give it to him, and I, I don't know that they will, he's going to get it somewhere else. So again, it's lose-lose for the Bears. This situation is horrible. You've got two options. Compromise on your values, compromise on your ability to actually win as a football team and sign Roquan to try to save face, or completely destroy your reputation, ship off Roquan, and hope to God that whatever you get in terms of compensation back from the Roquan trade turns into a really good pick. But this is, this is bad. Anyways, I, I, I feel so good when I do this. I, I know some people are like, just talk about the Packers. And I do, and I, I'm, I'm happy when good things happen. 
But there's only so much good that can happen in training camp. You know what I mean? I'm happy to hear Romeo Dobbs is doing fine in training, but there's bad things that can happen in training camp. There might not be too much good that can happen, but there sure is bad that can happen. And the, for the Bears, it's all bad. And look, I'll give them whatever credit they, you know, Valus Jones looks better than expected. Cool, man. Congratulations on that. Darnell Mooney's legit. Yeah, dude, that, that was a great catch. And heck, it wasn't even a half bad throw. But we're talking about nonsense right now. Given the full gravity of how horrible this is, this is all nonsense. You can tell me Justin Fields is going to be better and Darnell Mooney is going to be a top 10 wide receiver. You can tell me all that. You can tell me whatever you want. It doesn't matter. This is a disaster. And, and, and one final thought. You know, what, you know what Poles needs to do? He's going to need to man up. He's going to need to stick by his guns, trade Roquan, and say, just be honest. And, and you know, people, some people will jump on the bandwagon and other people won't. But the honest answer is we, we had a price we were willing to keep Roquan at and he wasn't happy with it. And that's unfortunate because we do see a vision for this team that, that includes Roquan. But at the end of the day, it is not my obligation to pay the tab of the previous administration. Their way of doing business didn't work. I'm here to build a newer, better machine. And we will do that brick by brick. We are in the process of that right now. Our quarterback, Justin Fields, is taking the necessary strides. We've hired the right coaches that we believe in. A great defensive mind and a great offensive mind. I'm making up half of this, but it doesn't matter. This is what you say. Our offensive line is continuing to grow. With the additions especially of Riley Reef and Michael Schofield, we really love the direction of our offensive line. We love the steps that Cole Komet is taking. Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, we believe, can be one of the best running back tandems in the entire NFL. We are extremely excited that Robert Quinn is here to be with us again, and we have the utmost confidence that he, along with Travis Gibson and the rest of our pass rushers and defensive tackles, will form a formidable front headed up by Eberflus, who knows exactly what to do with these guys. We're extremely excited for the additions of Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon, who I drafted despite all the pressure to go out and get wide receivers, not because of public pressure, because of peer pressure, because of what the media says, because of, quite frankly, what the fans say, or even what the McCaskies say. I drafted them because they are the future of the Chicago Bears, and they are a pivotal point, a pivotal part of this machine. They will be brought in to help out guys like Jalen Johnson, who is already a formidable force on this defense, to pair up with Eddie Jackson, who has needed help in the backfield, since we lost Adrian Amos, and to be able to help along Thomas Graham, who is going to be a phenomenal piece when he comes back from injury. We still have a long way to go, but I'm in this for the long haul, and we will build this the right way, and we will not allow public pressure to force me to hand out unwieldy contracts that are going to prevent us from building the team that we will be in the coming years. Period. That's it. That's the right answer, and that's the message you give. Don't hide from it. Just face it head on. You're doing the right things. Don't pay them. But don't dance around it either and pretend like, oh, I'm trying so hard. Here's like 50 bucks. Oh, I tried. He didn't take it. What? That's crazy. You're making yourself look like an idiot. You're right. It is take it or leave it. This is the value that we have for you. If you don't want it, you don't have to take it. That's absolutely correct. But as Packer fans, we can sit back and just wait and see. Because again, like most things with the Chicago Bears, somehow they get themselves into constant 
lose-lose situations. Because ultimately, even if he does do the right thing, that's one right decision. He has to make about 500 more before they take the NFC North. All the while, their team did get worse without Roquan, and everybody hates him. So I'm more than happy with that decision. Or freaking pay him. It doesn't matter. You lose either way. I await your decision. Can't wait. I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.